All right, this episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Market. Hey, Chris, it's late summer, and that means the late-season figs have arrived. Are you a big fig guy? I love figs. Yeah. Four luscious varieties at Zupan's, Black Mission, Brown Turkey, Sierra, and Tiger Stripe. Uh, Pair these with your cheese and honey, put it on a slice of sandwich. A lot of people, like my wife. A slice of sandwich? Slice of sandwich. A sandwich? Put a slice in a sandwich. Sliced in a sandwich. There we go. Right. Uh, my wife uses uh, a lot of times to sweeten up foods and, as part of her Whole30 diet that she's doing. Oh, good. You can't have like the you know the granular sugar, but you throw in some figs, you're good to go. Right, and and you could do a tasting with all these varieties. Oh yeah, figs are good. Yeah, and also um, one of my favorite things is to check my news feed, my Zupan's news feed before I walk into the market, see what the, what they've just sent me for free. Yeah. And this month, it's pretty cool, A um, some olive oil from southern Italy. For a $25 purchase, you get a fr- you, there's free olive oil. And it's a nice size. Nice. Am I looking at what kind of si- what size it is here? I don't think it says right no, here. No, but it looks like a big bottle. I saw it. I saw it online on uh, Zupans.com. You can never go wrong with that. Uh, we like to highlight the local vineyards that uh, Zupans likes to highlight. Right now, Soder Vineyards, located in Carleton, Oregon, Soder Vineyards, dedicated to creating the highest caliber of wine in the way that uh, treads softly on the earth, which is important. Have you ever walked through the aisles and aisles of wine at Zupan's? Oh, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a, lot a place of varieties. to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great varieties. And you can do that at any one of three locations, West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Grove, or, of course, at Zupan's.com. It is time once again for Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's Right at the Fork with Chris Angeles, Portland Food Adventures. And Court Johnson, I'd say family man before I say King Thought Sure, FM. yeah. Right? Does yeah. that make you pr- more I know, proud I, to I, be the family? I, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I think so. I think that, uh, you know, and, and uh, I've asked guests before if they think of themselves as a chef first or a... Or, uh, you know, their family life first. Yeah. And I think uh, as much as you're a great professional at what you do, you're a great family man. Man, thank you. I, I appreciate it. This week, my wife has been out of town, and we've had a cousin in town. And so it's been me and three girls in the teenage, young teenage years, and it's been nuts. I've, every every day I come home and you I just start, start handing out money. It's been just <laughs> money left and right. So I have something similar this weekend. Um, my ex-wife's brother, yeah. who I haven't seen for years, who's obviously my kid's uncle, mm-hmm. uh, is coming to visit us uh, from Tucson. So I'm going to be showing him around Portland and the coast. Nice. I love being a host to this right. ambassador oh, yeah, no, this it's, area. It, and, and, there's, and, and you, it's really hard to do it wrong. But the question is, how do you do it just right? Especially, you know, there's different things that you'll do. In Portland, and I, of course, I'm locked in to where are we going to go to eat? That's the most important sure. thing. But there's different things you do when someone has one or two days or five days. Right. And so- it Makes all the difference. We only have a day and a half in Portland and a couple of days at the coast. So um, we're trying to still trying to figure out Saturday night. I'll get to it. Okay. So, I mean, it's not, it's not really where I want to go. I'm trying to figure out where what would be best for him. That's the key. So- 
Um, I'm just now remembering he likes really spicy food, so mm. it could be hot yak. There you Maybe go. Do that. Get that pork dish. Yes, exactly. And, and then you, Let's see if you, you watch him eat it. it and just be like, mm. And I haven't been there in a long time. It's actually a great <laughs> idea. Thanks, everybody, for letting us have this podcast so I can resolve yeah. these important issues. Yep. Uh, super great guest with us today. Um, I, I, I sat in the corner. I was not mic during this. So, then, in fact, at one point you asked me a question, and I can't remember what I say, but I said it off, off mic. But I was just enthralled with everything Lisa had to say. What a, what a story. I knew she'd be an interesting guest. I met Lisa uh, years ago when I started doing my food businesses. She mentioned she was working with Kathy Wims. And then we both lived in Manzanita yeah. together. And she's the only, for a while, she was the only person I knew. I was sad when she left. But mm-hmm. I but she's coming back. Yeah. So, um, But Lisa Marcus, uh, who owns Digital Poor... You may have seen the video boards in some uh, brew halls, or I've seen it in uh, Portland Cider. Yeah. Uh, so they're really cool, um, and she'll explain what it is. But uh, she started this business eight years ago, um, and you can see she's a very smart person who could probably start any business and make it a success. That's yeah. what I think is interesting about it. And uh, up and running to the point where she can do some things in her personal life and other businesses that uh, she's wanted to do. And uh, a pretty driven woman who's also got this other this other side, which, you know, toured with the dead and uh, enjoys fire dancing. and She puts on the Oregon Country Fair every year. Right. Like, like the fact that she's putting that on is just crazy. Yeah. And, that, and cool. While she's CEO of a, of a business like Digital Poor. Yeah. Um, I knew it would be fun. There are certain podcasts that I just know this is going to be great. I'm going to sit down and have a great conversation. I'm glad you thought so. Mm -hmm. I thought so. And let's hope that everybody else thinks so, too. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more with delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at Zupans.com, eat well, put taste first, love your food. Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard in Portland for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks in Portland, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com and by San Pellegrino. Iconic, fresh, sparkling water with an extraordinary Italian heritage. It's a great, refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name the next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its foundation in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. Try it with your next meal and enjoy the difference San Pellegrino can make. Yeah, normally we were we would already be going. Oh, all right. So... We'll, we'll dive right in. Dive okay. right in the ocean. All right. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm ready. That's good. So you need to be diving in the ocean, right? You're missing it. I know. I am. I'm going to go this weekend, I think. You're there. You've been there quite a bit. Every chance I get. Yeah. Yeah. So you were the only person I knew who was in 
the food world in Portland operating out of Manzanita for a while, and it was nice to not be the only one. And then, then you abandoned ship. Yeah, I had to come back to Portland and uh, work with the team close in, but I think we're at a good spot now where I can get back there. Build a business. Mm-hmm. So uh, how long has Digital Port, when, what was the original, what was the idea? When did, when did it the start when did it of it all. Blossom? all? Yeah. What, what uh, was the moment where you said, this is what I'm going to do? Let's go from there. Well, I was almost a 40 year old restaurant manager, server, waitress person, and uh, needed another job. You know, I needed another way to make a living, save for retirement, take care of my family. Um, and so I met my business partner on a dating app and actually with the intention of trying to meet somebody to start a business with. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's an interesting objective, and it worked. It did work. Probably yeah. better than dating would have worked. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no, we instantly connected. I was in the process of, I know I worked at Le Pigeon. I was a manager there, and I really, like, really cared about wine inventory, staff education, how, to, how do you move your wine list, how do you take care of your guests the best. And so we were actually, on that first date, I told him, you know, what I really need is an inventory app for my wine list, you know, something that my servers can easily navigate to find out what the guests want and how much we have of it that ties into ordering and receiving. Was this part, was this on your profile that this is what you were looking for? Or did you just all of a sudden decide, (laughs) hey, you know, I like your dimples and I really need this app. Right. Well, I brought it up and uh, on the second date, he actually brought, he had started working on it between the time that we saw each other last and came to the second date with like a little oh, a piece of it. Oh, there's some chemistry. Right. You know, so within 12 weeks, we had a business. We just jumped right in. And so we were developing an app called Wineslinger. And what was he doing? Um, he was, you know, he's a software engineer and mm-hmm. he was working for yeah, another company sense. and had, you know, a lot of software programmers. They do little side things because their brain is always on and they can't just work on one thing. And so that was his side project. Um, and so we were developing that and that was going really, really well. We started to partner with a distribution company um, because we wanted to tie in ordering and receiving. And then we realized, oh, each wine house uses different software to manage their inventory and it's not even actually really current. You know, the moment they print their their books, they're not current. So that was when, and he actually was working on a side project from our project of a beer app. And so uh, we launched that and, uh, and then it just took off. I mean, it, it was on the cover of Beer Advocate Magazine that month that we launched and then the phones just started ringing and so we just decided to let Weinslinger go and just focus on the beer app. So at that point, it was just an app. It wasn't the, mm-hmm. the screens in the He had premise. developed a screen, like the TV menu, and mm. this was for Bailey's Tap Room. Um, he's a bar fly there. He likes to hang out there and work. And so, you know, they rotate their taps all the time. You know, it's just a constantly rotating menu, and that's the trend. And so he said, you know, if you put a TV up there, I'll create a menu for you and tie it into your social and your POS and... And that way, it's just fast and easy for your changeovers. And so they said, yeah, let's do it. So for their big anniversary that year, we launched it for them. And then, yeah, they they helped us develop it for a solid year before we put it on the market, though. They were really, really good at giving us feedback and ideas and helping us fine-tune it. And, yeah, we had to say no to a lot of really big franchise companies that wanted it right away. But we waited 
And uh, yeah. That must have been frustrating to know that you <laughs> had the orders, but you didn't, or the, the business waiting for you, but you couldn't take it. Well, I mean, we could have, but it would have been not the right choice at the time. You know, mm-hmm. to say yes to a company with 200 locations when you're not ready could mean, you know, the end of your business. Right. So, and it was just him and I we were both working other jobs. So we knew that, you know, it just wasn't ready. Now we can say yes. So how long ago, when was, when did you start? 2010 is when we started. And then why don't you, because not everybody's going to be familiar with it, we can handle it a little in the intro, or we may have already handled it a little in the intro court, but um, talk a little bit about what Digital Port is. Yeah, it's it's an inventory software program, and so it ties into the point of sale. And so we have a back and forth relationship with the POS. So when you make a menu change, it updates the POS and all the modifiers for you. When it does that, it also sends out a tweet, it it updates Facebook, website, digital menus, mobile application, and then the back end is going to analyze the sales, and we give those analytics back to the business owner so they know exactly what kegs are making them the most money in the shortest time, what type of styles are performing really well based on certain times of year, um, you know, keg level accuracy, value of loss, all that good stuff. Yeah, and uh, customers... Mm-hmm can see how much is left in the keg yeah. and so, what the alcohol content is. Yeah, all uh, the beer the- information and, uh, yeah, how much is left. So, And then pretty soon they'll be able to get notifications. So if they favorite a beer or favorite a location and something goes on tap or is about to run out, they can get a notification so they can get down there before it's gone. Oh, very important. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess there are a lot <laughs> for of For people- certain beers, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, can someone... Uh, so do consumers have an app too mm-hmm, that yeah. they so they can see where their favorite beers are at in different locations? Yeah, we have one mobile app and it's both consumer and admin. So admins get a secret login portal that customers can't see uh, and and that allows them to make menu changes and do some other admin uh, things on the mobile app. But yeah, customers, their customers have the free download and they can see all of the beers on tap, everything that's on deck. They can rate, review, and save, and favorite, and pretty soon get notified. Pretty soon check-in is a thing. You know, on a lot of apps, they'll be able to do that. Um, and then the admins, they can just make menu changes really quickly and easily from their phones when they're in the walk-in. That's cool. And so mm-hmm. I think I just asked you how long ago that was, but I didn't. 2010. 2010. Mm-hmm. So it's now, hmm, what, 2018. Mm-hmm. So eight years, mm-hmm. and uh, you've got it developed well enough where you can get a call from that 200 restaurant fran- franchise. And yeah, now we it. now it's easier for us to say yes. We've got it really dialed in at this point. You know, um, I think it was about, you know, I did 14 hours a day working for the first seven years. And then I felt, I kind of woke up last year, last June, and was like, okay, it's, it's doing well. Great. It's running itself. I don't have to work all the time. I can start doing some fun traveling, things like that. So, and you have been doing some mm-hmm, fun traveling. I have, yeah. So, so I find it interesting that you are this uh, digital uh, maven, right? <laughs> okay. And you're also, you've got this bohemian side, right? Yeah. So yeah. The, uh, with fire and uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and dance mm-hmm. that you really have an interest in, that you've done a lot with in your life. And I would imagine now you're trying to find some of that balance to get back there. Yeah, Because ideally. you couldn't do that for a while. Yeah. And that was part of your Manzanita existence, too. Yeah. You could go down on the beach and mm-hmm. 
do whatever you like to do down there. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a dog, and so walking the dog for five miles every morning, hiking, being on the beach, you know, that's being out in nature. That's really what I want to be doing mm-hmm. with my time, not behind a computer, but... Right. Yeah. But you had to do one to accomplish the other. Yeah, yeah. And you were good at it, too. Yeah, yeah. Turns out I have a knack for business, and yeah, I love learning about it. Did you know that it. going in? Is this something you've learned about yourself in the last, it's some, in the eight years? Well, I think I, I've always been a really hard worker. I've always been really disciplined. And so. where do you think that came from? I think I was born that way, honestly. So like at 15, maybe 13, 14, 15, you realized that? No, at like five. Five? When I, I realized that when I was very young. I'm sorry to use my own sensibilities <laughs> to ask these questions. So um, what, did you, what were you doing at five that made you realize that? I wanted to be in the Olympics. I, wanted, I was a gymnast. So, mm-hmm. And it was all my choice. I wanted, you know, to be in the gym all day, every day. And what were you doing? What what exercise or what? what? It's called rhythmic gymnastics. It's not very common. It, you'll see it in the Olympics, but not really many places, not in performance. Were or, you seeing it in the Olympics then? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It really? started, um, I think, rhythmic went into the Olympics in 1980, I believe, um, or around then. So, yeah, it was very new, though. I missed it. You did? So- <laughs> it's a crazy sport. I mean, the girls are um, very, very, very flexible. You have to be extremely flex- flexible, and you dance with instruments like clubs and hoop and ribbon. And and uh, so, yeah, I found it really f- I mean, I was always doing it. Were you doing other more traditional types of gymnastics than you found yourself over there, or are you just... No, uh, I went to a camp when I was a kid, and, and they had it. And you grew up in it. Hawaii, correct? Uh, Massachusetts. Ma- well, that's very close. <laughs> <laughs> but you were, you have spent quite a bit of time in Hawaii. That's my escape place. Right. Yeah, I go to Kauai. Okay. Yeah. So we're in Massachusetts. I knew this now that I think of it. Yeah, uh, I grew up in Wayland, Massachusetts. Right. It's a little suburban town outside of Boston, uh, kind of upper class. You know, so they had these really beautiful summer camps for the kids, and that's where I got introduced to that. And so I did that and classical ballet during during my downtime. <laughs> so that was my childhood. So I think the discipline I was born with it, and I found that to you know suit. And my what desire. what did your parents do? Um, my mom, she had a blue collar job at a company called Raytheon. Oh yeah, and uh, and my dad's a contractor. And are they still in your life? Or you, oh, yeah. So. Yeah. They both are still on the East Coast. And are they together? No, no. They divorced when I was young. I don't think you can ask that question now and get a yes, a yes answer more than 5% sometime. of the time yeah, maybe for, some, not more. for that long a period of time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, my dad and I are very, very close. We talk a lot. Good. Know, Does he come out to visit you? No, I got to go visit him. I'm secretly surprising my family next week. Too. Are you? Yeah, they don't know I'm coming. Oh. <laughs> See, all my friends back east are always saying, when are you coming back east? I'm like, mm-hmm. we've done this. We were there for years. Come here. Yeah, well, you know, Hawaii is a lot, well, it's an hour less of a flight. <laughs> so I just like to go there when I have some time. But right, rather my than sisters and brothers and nieces and nephews are all getting together next week. And it, it'll be the first time everyone's been in one room in 20 years. So they don't think How many think people I'm will coming. be there? Oh, gosh. A lot. Because I have six siblings, and oh. most of them all have kids. And where do you where do you land? Kind of in the middle. Yeah, I have two younger sisters, and everyone else is older. And you all still get along really well. We do. We laugh a lot. 
I have really amazing oh, brothers. So you've got a good week in front of you. I know. I'm very excited, especially because they're going to be surprised. And I haven't, uh, it's been about a year since I've been back. So no, it's not, not that much of a surprise, but it's, it's, it'll be a surprise that you're coming. I know. And they'll, they'll be happy that you are. What kind of things will you do with your family? Well, my sister who's hosting the party, is, she lives on Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. So I imagine we'll be doing some swimming and, you know, the standard summer family things. That's a fun thing up there. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, we, I had friends, um, a good friend who had a, a place up there where we used to go snowmobiling all the okay. time. That was fun. Right. Loved it. And Winnipesaukee uh-huh. was fantastic. The New it's England, pretty. yeah, it's pretty. Mm-hmm. I don't miss it though. Nope. I'm happier being out here. <laughs> yeah. Are there any foods that you uh, recall from your, you know, from your days back east that you miss? Oh, I mean, yeah. Woodman's. I, have you ever heard of Woodman's? No. It's in Ipswich, Massachusetts. It's a clam shack. I was going to say, once you said Ipswich, it's got to be yeah, clams. Yeah, it is. It's the best. The I have clam- to go every time I'm home. Yeah. The clam shacks mm-hmm. there are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And in Boston, you didn't have, well, lobster rolls were big in mm-hmm. Connecticut. You know, lobster yep. roll was invented in Connecticut. The buttered lobster roll. Okay. And um, I miss those. I would like to have more of those. Um, but so the Ipswich clams, did you, are you, mm-hmm. you haven't found anything like that out here? Because I'd be no, asking you, there, where can we get that? There isn't anything out. I mean, the clams are different. Right. So, yeah, it's something that, it's a treat, you know, when you go home and you get to have the food that you had when you were a kid. Right. I have the standard when I go, I haven't been back for three years now. It's the longest ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have the standard stops. It's mm-hmm. like within the first 24 hours I've got yeah, Chinese food. <laughs> yeah. <the clam> shack. <laughs> I have a few. Yeah. So, um, and so how often do you get to Hawaii? I try to go once a year. And so you've been doing that for a while. So mm-hmm. you had to escape Manzanita. You just had too much to do in Portland. But you've mm-hmm. been finding a way to get to Hawaii and work mobile. Well, yeah, because you can. I can work mobily. So um, I I rent a yurt on a beach in Hawaii in mm-hmm. Kauai, and uh, and I can work there. There's great internet when there's no storms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I, I would spend sometimes two weeks or a month at a time, and I can work. Oh, nice. So yeah. that was your alternative to living at the beach. Yeah. So you're going to get back out there. I think I am. Yeah. My business partner might be moving to Grenoble. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. He just left. Are you, are you growing the business globally? It is actually, yeah. We're in about 30 countries. And how many, uh, how many restaurants are using your, we app, have, your service? We uh, have, I think, 650 locations wow. at the moment. If you would have told you that in 2011, would you have been freaked out? Think. Uh, no, that was the plan all along, right? right. Well, yeah, but it's the plan, but it, you not always have the, the optimism to know that's going to happen. And yeah. also you're pretty, you've been, you've done a good job in Portland. And yeah. We a have lot a lot of places. You're at Cider places. House, the Cider mm-hmm. Houses and we, you cool. know, the thing, cause I think from the restaurant world that is different and unique for our business is that I you know, customer service and support is probably unmatched from, you know, what we offer to, you know, in any kind of software business, you know, all of my customers have my cell phone number and can call me anytime or text me, but we have really great support. So it's just immediate. And, uh, you know, especially with, you know, the craft beer scene, everybody's going towards the, wants to support the local business and, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. And there's nothing else 
out there that like I was going to ask do. you, is there anything, you have no competitors? Are um, there others, there have to be other people that see that. that. And we can do that. Yeah, there has been companies that said we can do that and have, and there's been companies that said that and failed. Um, you know, we are in a different, I mean, they're doing digital menus, but they're not doing inventory management. So there's like specializing in social instead. And so when, and they have a lot of funding and they have a lot of sales agents. And so when they reach out to someone, they'll do some market research and find us and then call us and find out that we do a whole lot more. And, uh, and the value of what we do is a lot more. And so um, they tend to go with us. So even though we don't spend money on sales and marketing, typically we get a lot of their uh, sales people uh, sending us leads, which is actually quite lucky on our part. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, and a lot of your business is referrals, I would imagine. And organic in a place leads, like, really. Yeah, organic in a place yeah. like Portland, they're using it, they're using it. And exactly. Th- and no one's feeling super competitive here that, oh, if they're using that, we can't do that. It's- Some people do, but you know, the thing, the cool thing about ours is that we can really customize our, our menu templates. So if they wanted something that look completely different, then we can do that too. Can they start to... Put, use your system for food too? Well, with one of, the, one of the features that we offer is called ad images and they can create anything they want. So if they wanted to create a food menu or a wine list or you know an event, they just create the image and upload it and then it, it can upload on the screen whenever they want. So that's how they can advertise food options and things like that. And a lot of people are starting to use that feature. Even customers of ours are selling ad space and that's fine with us. We don't care. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. What the restaurants have a sales staff to to go? It's like the they, it's you know, a, it's will the advertise digital, for breweries well, or whatever. True. And it's the digital version of the diner, mm-hmm. you know, placemat. Yep. I yep. guess. Yeah. So, that's. I think cool. ease of use though is really what makes them use it now because they know you know if I have a whole highly rotating menu, which is the trend. I can't have a chalkboard anymore because there's no time to update it and make it look right. nice when I make a menu change. And these all look great. And yeah. you can play around with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it ties into social media. So if a guest comes in and takes a picture on Instagram and posts it in their business, it's going to show up on the menu, which, you know, guests really like to see their tweets and posts up there. So they're apt, they're more apt to do it. And, uh, and so oh, you mean there's a little a lot narcissism of with, with social, social media? media? There's a little people want to see <laughs> it their things. It for them. Yeah. Yeah. In their favor. Let's take a minute uh, right here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. It's been a favorite for a lot of people. For uh, They're celebrating their 75th year next year. Which is awesome. Yeah. Who else? I guess what? Huber's maybe in Portland that has been around that long, but right, no one's been uh, carrying the torch for service as long as uh, Ringside Steakhouse, and as of uh, and very recently also the Fish House, which unfortunately closed. Yeah, so they were. Um, if if you haven't heard the story yet, they in that space over at Fox Tower, the um, the building, the a tenant wanted more space, and the Petersons decided that uh, they didn't have a younger generation that was interested in operating the restaurant business. So they decided to just stick with what they know really well. Mm-hmm. Not that they didn't know the fish house well, but they got an offer they couldn't refuse, I guess, for the space. And uh, and now they're 
they're going to operate the steakhouse solely. The good news here is if you're a big fan of the onion rings, <laughs> it's all about those, the have, onion those rings. have always been in both places. And I, I had just this past weekend, I introduced a friend of mine to the onion rings. And if, if, if you've never had the ringside onion rings, you are missing out because they are perfection. I've I had friends. Two sets of friends here last month who enjoyed that, but also the lobster mashed potatoes, oh, which yeah. you could you could still get at we did Ringside that. Steakhouse. We did that too. And they have the after nine o'clock happy hour mm-hmm. menu, which is just as good as the fish houses, better than the fish houses uh, happy hour menu too. Yeah. So, and not only that, of course, classic states service and an atmosphere. Did you know? I don't know if you knew this, Court, because. You have to be paying a little bit of attention. Portland Business Journal, Ringside One Best Restaurant in Portland. Uh, and a few categories as well. Not only Best Restaurant, but I think Best Service, Best Decor. That might have been it. Oh, I, may, I may be wrong on that, but listeners are certainly welcome to, to call me out. Yes, certainly. Easily the best service in Portland that I've experienced myself. I think so. Is at the Steakhouse. It's, so. old, it's old school service. Right. It's, you know, it's... Asking the right questions and knowing what you like when you come in, if mm-hmm. you've been there multiple times. So yeah, Ringside Steakhouse over on West Burnside. What's the what the website is? Uh, RingsideSteakhouse.com. Yeah, there you go. That easy, and that's where you can also go and set up a reservation today. Yeah, and you can do that as individuals, or if you have a corporate outing, you're going to impress. Mm-hmm. So what do you see? Um, obviously, technology technology changes a lot, mm-hmm. and are you able to look? Three, five, ten years, to, yeah, and see what it's going to look like, and maybe the whole thing's yeah. completely different. Well, we're, we have some ideas we're working on that are going to, you know, it, it's a little surreal to think that, like, you know, in five years you could walk into a place and your body can point to a menu and make it change. But it's, you know, that kind of technology already exists. I so. remember. I think it was around like 2002, I saw Bill Gates being interviewed and he mm-hmm. said, someday you're going to have the power of this desktop computer in your hand. Mm-hmm. And I specifically remember saying, come on, no way, <laughs> ridiculous. And that's just absurd that I would even think that now. Yeah. It's there. So you don't, you're, you're saying it might be surreal, but yeah, you're, someone's going to be able to look and order a beer just look by looking at, yeah. at where they're... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Are you a it beer is. drinker? Are you a big beer drinker? You're more. I am you, you a like beer it? drinker, but you know, I'm a wine drinker, really. Um, but you know, in the beer industry, I get to try and taste and and visit all these amazing breweries, and so I've learned what I like, and you know, and I'm learning about it, and it's changing a lot. You know, there's new styles being created all the time, and and it's exciting. It's a really fun industry to be in. It's great. Yeah, it's great, especially here. Yeah. Where does yeah. so where does Portland um, is it the it, you know its biggest microbrewery mm-hmm. uh, city in the country or has the largest concentration? Where does it stand just gen- with beer consumption? You should know that. If anybody should know that, you uh. should be the, you should be the arbiter <laughs> of statistics. On well, that. for digital pour, we know, but you know the Brewers Association really knows the answer to that question. I don't. Well, what do you think? Where where, where would Portland stand per capita? Obviously. For consumption? Consumption. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Oh. But I would imagine it, it's a definitely it, it it's a hot is spot, at the top. You know, yeah. The southwest and and yeah, we're, the southeast, like Florida and Georgia and then Dallas, you know, these are hot spots. Because it's hot. New a lot. England is kind of behind the trend a bit because they're we're, still stuck on Budweiser. 
Are they? And what <laughs> about? With, I wonder where the New England stands with wine, because out here in the West, it's obvious that wine right. has really grown a lot in the last yeah. 10, 15 years. And there's not a lot of wineries out there. No, but still people have taste buds yeah. and enjoy yeah. things. So um, you have been, uh, I have always had the utmost respect for you because you have, for a lot of reasons, Thank but you. one of them being that um, you had a challenging dog that you adopted and and you know you put there was a lot of time and effort for a busy person right it was it was not an easy go right yeah a lot of training spent a lot of time yeah so talk a little (laughs) bit about buttercup and oh coconut coconut (laughs) did i get the i get the flavors wrong (laughs) yeah so yeah she was i'm sorry oh that's okay did you you didn't have a buttercup then i I did not i had a blueberry (laughs) is this one of those incidents court court, where i should be embarrassed by this no no it's okay i'm sorry no worries i apologize i got last night why am i even talking about this now but i did an event and introduced Mm -hmm. the host Mm-hmm. By the improper name. Oh, no. It was terrible. I feel terrible about it. So here I am doing this again. No worries. I think I, and I'm not a big drinker, so <laughs> you explain it. Just insanity. So yeah, explain so, a little bit about coconut. Well, I, I read about her in the Oregonian. There was a big, there was a local rescue going down to LA to rescue this litter, and they called them the Blueberry Muffins. And I had a dog named Blueberry, and so I reached out to the See, rescue. See, I'm well, the You're flavors. Close. I'm on the, I'm on the theme. And uh, offered my support if she needed any help with the rescue because they were doing 200 dogs being flown up from L.A. area to our area uh, that were in, like, high kill shelters. And so she just requested that I fill out an application for one of the puppies. And my dog was about 15 years old, and I, you know, thought it would be good to have a pup around to you know, have her train and so that I would not be without a dog when it was her I'm time to go. I'm doing this now. Exactly. So I get so it. So I filled out the application. She approved it right away. And pretty soon I had a, a, a blue nose pit bull puppy coming my way. And she was, you know, very, very sweet. Um, you know, pit bull puppies have a lot of energy. And so, you know, and my other dog was getting old and she was sick. And so we had moved to the beach actually, so she could live out the rest of her days in Manzanita. And, um, so I would get up and take the puppy out for at least five miles every morning just to kind of get some of her energy out. So she wouldn't be all over my other dog. And, uh, that was just beautiful. I mean, we'd be walking along the beach and whales swimming by and just incredible, you know, but, uh, I don't see as many whales. That's not a something no? I would just bring up as whales swimming. Oh gosh, that was You're my You're probably favorite. more tuned in than I, I, than I am. I got I've barked at by a sea lion one time, and I looked up, and then right past it was this big humpback whale. In Manzanita. Just, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I must not be tuned in. I've seen a couple of whales, but not nothing where that would They're be the first right thing now, I would mention. They're there right now. Actually, a friend of mine just posted a picture. Of one. Okay, I'll I'll let yeah. you know this afternoon. Look up. <laughs> I'm heading there as soon yeah. as I'm done here. Yeah, so uh, she did great in her early puppy training, uh, made sure she got lots of socialization and lots of activity. Um, But around one years old, she started, uh, we were playing on the beach with a dog she's played with a million times. And it was a little Jack Russell and Jack Russell's like to be chased. And so she was chasing it and then she got it and she wouldn't let go. Like she grabbed it with her mouth and wouldn't let go. And that shocked me. Uh, She didn't hurt the dog. She could have. Like, you know, they're very strong. 
um, and it was difficult to get them apart. But that was the first time that happened. And so, uh, you know, just keeping it, you know, it just got worse after that. It just like I did everything. I mean, I hired dog psychics. I, you know, <laughs> put her on everything that I could imagine. Specialists went to like special training camps to learn how to train her, took her to dog reactivity camps and trainers and, you know, worked for about four years to try to see if it could get any better. It just kept getting worse. So, and she had really bad knees. Apparently I learned that if you neuter or spay a dog too young and rescues do that, they do it at like two weeks, two months. Um, it's not good for their joints as they get older. Their hormones levels are all off and they don't develop the right muscle structure to support their needs. So for larger dogs, they have knee problems or all sorts of problems. So she had really bad knees. And so I had to, you know, I did one knee, $4,000. The other knee needed it too. And she just, you know, she couldn't really leave the house. She was basically stuck in a yard. So I made the decision to let her go. That's a tough one. It was, yeah. yeah. But so, the right one. Right. So you've been dogless for a little while. I'm waiting. Yeah. You're waiting for, and uh, I, you have other things I going on I think I want to adopt a human being. Yeah, a real human. <laughs> yeah. Without knee problems. Yeah, or violence. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that would be a nice thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To guard a pit bull that's like that powerful, it's, you mm-hmm. know, does something. It was a big job. Yeah, yeah. I used to, I, I couldn't do it yeah it's not for everybody but i've had rottweilers and pit bulls you know those are all the kind i've had power dogs my whole adult life and so what is it that attracts you to power dogs we'll have the little psychology uh, moment here i think you know they're really smart really affectionate really good family dogs um i i'm a very adventurous woman and i tend to do things alone a lot and so having you know a sidekick that i you know it's a rottweiler who knows how to be my little they're like a little bodyguard and it makes you feel confident to go camping alone or mm-hmm. hiking alone and things like that so i don't know there's i think when you get your first dog you kind of get attracted to that kind of i think breed yeah, it, it and that sticks with you right you know it's like the same thing i think with a lot of things mm-hmm. with cars mm-hmm. people who get fords tend to stick with fords and same thing with dog yeah. breeds as well i didn't really pick having a rottweiler at first i was traveling i was actually on tour at, with the Grateful Dead in the early 90s. And at that point, I was like, I have to have a dog. And what were you doing on tour with them? Like, I'm not going to pass hippie. that one up. <laughs> oh, so you're just following them. You were working them. with them. No. I know a lot of people who... Yeah, yeah. Did you have a VW bus? I did. And yeah. do you know, Do you have you ever met Jeff Reidebach of Homegrown Smoker? I who's a friend know. of mine who's just a huge deadhead. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so you guys... I think you two would get along. Yeah, when I told my mom I was going on tour, she said, oh, you mean they invited you? And she made me this beautiful <laughs> red velvet dress with a, like a, a Grateful Dead patch on the front of it. And yeah, that dress got me into every show <laughs> for and, years until it was over. So how long, how far did you travel with them? How, I mean, how many years? Yeah. Or? Oh, years. We're, we're measuring this in years. Well, yeah, it was about three years. Wow. And was, so did you, were you making money? Did oh, you, yeah. how did you make money while you were, uh, I mean, we did all the, sorts of things. How did you support this tour? Yeah, uh, we did all sorts of things. I mean, we sold, you know, veggie stir fry. We did every, like all the food stuff. We did, you know, the not food stuff <laughs> <laughs> that I won't talk about. <laughs> well, you can talk about it now. Now it's all yeah, okay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's true. I don't know if I'm 
Yeah. yeah. Well, you got a business. So <laughs> so what are we talking about? Uh, it was fun, though. It definitely impacted me in a great way, you mm-hmm. know, to be on the road like that, to travel, you know, to well, you know, live in a bus and go yeah. to shows. And so, you know, I it was always a dream of mine to, you know, kind of get a big rig and go back on the road like I used to. You just and, did that. You I went to did. New Orleans, I right? Went to, well, we had a craft brewers conference in Nashville, Tennessee. And Nashville. So we rented a 42-foot RV and drove. And yeah, via, we went to New Orleans first right. for Jazz Fest. That was really awesome. Well, that's cool. So you lived that dream, but you I didn't did. see the dead along the way. Well, the, the, we saw the dead band, cover bands. Dead cover bands. Yeah. Oh, you did? We okay. Did. Yeah. That was great. So um, they're still your favorite band they are yeah yeah i love them i had so many friends growing up in the mid eight mid 70s that were into them and i went to a few shows but never could i just the jamming's too That's i don't when have the, the patience music for it was even better yeah in the 70s um who did it with uh marshall tucker band used mm-hmm. to see them and it's pretty cool yeah so nice so what were some of the uh most eventful things you can remember from those tours that happened to you. I don't know if I can remember any of it. <laughs> it was a big fog. I don't fog. have the best memory. Yeah, well, it, it happens, especially when you're touring with the dead. There, you know, sometimes it's the next day you don't remember. Right. Well, you know, it's the community, and I think, you know, the Oregon Country Fair just happened, and I just got out of that. Um, it's the same kind of mentality of, like, you know, it's very loving, it's very supportive. If you need anything, you can ask anybody. It's, you know, and then you go to the next place and do that. You know, that's a lot like what that was like. What's that? So you're doing something at the Oregon fair. State yeah. Fair. It's yeah. the Oregon country fair. The Oregon country fair. Yeah. Right. Is that the one that happens down on route? Uh, where is that? It's in Venita just off of, I believe it's 126, the road that goes out to the coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Down further South. Uh, it's North of, well, kind of West of Eugene. Yeah. Yeah. What's the yeah. name of the guy who puts that on? Well, it was Ken Kesey's land originally. Right. Um, and the fair bought it a long time ago. Okay. And I've so, passed that and met with those people. Mm. It's very interesting. It's an awesome, awesome event. Yeah. And it is it going on? Did it already happen? Is it, it just happened last week. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Everyone's going home now. All right. Brushing off the dust. And you're and you're uh, all the better for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a really great year. Normally, I produce the show. We So we do a really big fi- like fire theater production for the first night. And uh, and we work all year long on it. And normally, I just produce. And uh, so this year, I decided to jump out of my comfort zone and perform in it. Um, and so that I was on the other side, which was really fun. And What did I, you do? So there is an amazing singer called Lady Rizzo. And so she sings uh, her own songs, and she wrote this beautiful song called Song of Freedom. And so I had about 35 girls and women all dressed in gold sequins, all on stage with fire uh, while she sang live. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome. So what were you doing with fire? I was dancing with, it's called poi. It's like like uh, chains with a ball of fire at the end. Mm-hmm. But we had, you know, fans and hoops and torches and all sorts of fire instruments and you got through piece. unscathed you look fine to me it right was now. so your fun. hair's all looking great <laughs> so you still have it yeah we had a, it was great we almost had a lady godiva like a woman a naked woman on a horse to open up the piece but we ended up canceling it why 
Uh, what was it? Crowd control issues. We didn't want the horse to get spooked. Uh, there was, you know, 10,000 people at our show. That's a lot of people and a lot of fire and sound, you know. That is a lot of people A lot of things to, a lot of pressure to put on a horse. So, and they're coming from all over? Is yeah. Is it just an Oregon thing or all over the West? People come from all over the world to come. Some One of my friends who lives in Bali came to dance in the show. And yeah, yeah, it's just, it's an awesome event. So I'm just curious, what about growing up in Massachusetts gave you this, the side of you that, Likes fire dancing and following the mm. dead. You have to be a certain type of person, right? And you're, you've got all these wonderful feathers uh, <laughs> adorning you right now. What it, what what happened, or what was it about your childhood that set you in that? Well, I course, think the you know the rhythmic gymnastics and being a dancer as a kid, and then going on tour with the Grateful Dead. Uh, I think I saw a fire dancer in the parking lot one day. Of on course, tour, you would have. And. I just was like, I have to learn how to do that. And essentially, I already knew how to do it. I just needed the fire instrument because I've been training my whole life for that. It's all the same movements. And so, um, yeah, I went out and I bought these clubs and I was, you know, lighting up very soon and got invited to uh, be in a troupe down in Eugene and started touring and performing immediately. And that became my world. Yeah, it was really, really quite amazing. That is. So when I first met you, what is it? You were working with Kathy. Kathy Wims. At Nostrana. Yeah. At Nostrana. yeah. I have none of, no, no knowledge of any of this. And then we <laughs> met later on. Yeah. Um, uh, so you talked about wanting to adopt a human. Yeah, now, babe. I don't want to get too personal. Oh, well, that's so, okay. However, I don't mind. Um, and so the impetus of, for that is? Well, when I started the business... I was, you know, I was told, okay, if you want to have a family, start now um, or adopt. And so I decided I'm going to start a business, I'll adopt. And so, you know, when I came up for air last That's year. That's such a black and white decision right there. Okay, well, I'll go this direction. It, it does. I mean, I mean, it is, you know, when that's what, you know, when you're in your 40s, it yeah. is a black and white decision yes, for women. Yes, of course. So I decided to start the business so that I could, you know, do all the things I needed to do with, you know, financially support myself, support a family, support my family if ever needed. Um, and so parents, you know, when they get older. Um, yeah. So, yeah, when I came up for air last year from my work brain, I re remembered that was something that I wanted <laughs> hey, to yeah, do. <laughs> yeah, don't forget about that. So, so you're going to be a, a generally older mom than I guess a lot so, yeah, because a lot of my friends have, you know, kids that are graduating high school right now, and they right. think I'm nuts for wanting to get started at this point. But I think you've got the energy to do it. I know I do. And I've been taking care of my friend's baby almost every day lately, and it gives me so much energy to be around a baby right now. So I'm excited. That's And, and I have an amazing assistant who's also a nanny, and so I, I feel supported. I think it'll be great. And so what's the process? How long is this going to take and where are it's you? It's about and a year process. I'm in the very beginning stage. It took, uh, I did some, a lot of research to find out what agency I wanted to work with um, and what my timing was going to look like and what the financials were involved. And um, I work with an adoption lawyer who gave me a lot of good advice and led me in the right direction. And so I'm in the very beginning stages of starting the adoption process with the, with the agency that I chose. Do you know if you want a boy or a girl? Oh, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. How about twins, one of each? That would be awesome. Wow. <laughs> Court, what do you think? That's uh, 
That's a big undertaking. Oh, yeah, you're instantly outnumbered. Yeah. Right? I know, yeah. I was an infant nanny specialist, uh, a, a specialist for infant twins when I was in high school and early college years. And so um, I have a lot of experience with infant twins, and uh, actually it's almost easier. You're really, so this is really what's on your mind is twins. Oh, I would love it. You're yeah. just not joking about that. Um, that's no, no. <laughs> that's on the radar. Sure. They're fun. They yeah. entertain each other. You know, it's an, when they're when you're born a twin, you have an instant partner in life. So when you put a baby down, they require your attention. If you put a baby down with its partner, they just look at each other and they just, you know. I have some sweet. friends with some good friends with twins and yeah. uh yeah, that's a. But I also just saw this crazy video with a woman who had looked like uh, four children, and she was trying to change the diapers. Yeah, I don't and, want a litter. Yeah, no, no. that's that's tough. But that, uh, yeah. <laughs> so well, that's very cool. So uh, that's in a year or so. Yeah, we'll see. So if this podcast is still going on in two thousand twenty two, three, four, I'd love to have. Well, we could have you back before then, but I want to hear what, what the first three years okay. were like <laughs> with, with adopted twins. At, at, um, it should be interesting. Right. So if you could be doing anything at all, because you have so many varied interests. Mm -hmm. Have you ever, have you, I'm sure you have given thought to, if you could have any job yeah. in the world, what would it be? Uh, it's a project that I'm working on. Um, I... It's, yeah, we can talk about it. Um, it's, a, it's a music venue, like a, a retreat music venue, a place that where musicians want to come and retreat and record and perform and teach. Um, and then other people can come and retreat and learn or see music. Uh, that would be a really, that would be a dream come true. That's awesome. So yeah, I think yeah. Well, it sounds like gathering it's, it's, partners right it's now. It's got yeah, and you can have a little that. digital board on who's performing. <laughs> you can figure that, get all that figured out, and mm -hmm. mix everything together, and then have have the the kids be uh, roadies, <laughs> yeah, loading and unloading. That would be amazing. They, you know, have kids grow up around that kind of environment. I think would be really fun. Yeah, I think if it's a if it's not on the road, right? I think right. that's important. I yeah. think if it's a stable yeah. stable environment but the road is the road is a crazy center, right a venue where people come so. exactly i think that would yeah. that would work but mm -hmm. uh traveling around in, yeah, I don't around know bands that's my you don't world. want them around a lot of bands mm -mm. i've been around a lot of bands that's so not yeah. it's not the best Touring thing is a really hard life i did a brief stint of it and it wasn't for me right yeah, yeah. no i've been performing I've, and touring i've been around a little bit and yeah i don't think it's the best uh it's it, there are a lot of narcissists traveling right? around doing that. It happens yeah. because everybody's so worshipped, right? Right. And you don't want people to be worshipped right. like that. Right. But, um, thanks so much for coming in. This Thank was you. fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. I've it's been wanting fun. to have you on for a long time. I think this is a good time. Thank it was you. Thank you. Probably better than it's fun. three or four years ago when we <laughs> met. I think it was fun. So were well, you in port? Were you here? Mm -hmm. Or did you come? Oh yeah, of course you were here. Um, thanks. Let's get together for. Uh, a beer or glass yeah. of wine. So we haven't been out for a while. I'll come to Manzanita. That's it has to be. Okay. Why well, do it here? All right. <laughs> so we'll go to Salmonberry Saloon. How's that? I love it there. It's the best. Yeah. So. It is. Thanks. Thank you. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com.